Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Manchester United! Woohoo! Manchester United! Do I have any opposition? Manchester United! <laughs> Manchester United! <laughs> So if you don't know, I am wearing a Manchester, a red shirt goes well with gold, and a Manchester United shirt. (laughs) Do I support Manchester United? If you do by osmosis, yes, I do. I have an avid Manchester United husband, an avid Manchester United son, but we're a conflicted family because my mother and my daughter support Arsenal. I have an... (laughs) My brother and his son support Tottenham Hotspurs. Where's my brother? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have other conflicted families. If you look at the Hodge family, we have a Manchester United fan, Jennifer, and a Liverpool husband. (laughs) And there's some other Liverpool fans here, I think. Yes, no? No, not here, dear, dear. And we have an Everton fan. Where's my Everton fan? (laughs) He doesn't want to show himself. (laughs) Don't ask him why. And we have Chelsea fans. You can ask Jermaine why he's not wearing his Chelsea shirt. (laughs) FA Cup final. Who's heard of the FA Cup? It was established in 1871. It is the oldest soccer league in the world. And the really cool thing about the FA Cup is that right down to the 10th league, you are eligible to play. The only requirement is that you have to have a stadium in which a big game can be played. So yes, last night, Manchester City played Newport. And as Tech kept saying, oh, look at this field. I mean, it was pretty, you know, you knew these plush green fields. And there was sort of this footmarks and muddy, and it wasn't an awfully great field. But how cool that the underdogs get to play in this game. And they can experience, Newport experienced playing Manchester City. They'll probably never, ever do that again. Now, this is a video I want to show you. Please excuse the quality. It's from 2008. I guess they didn't have much high... What's it? HD then. But watch this video. Good evening. For the first time in 13 years, the FA Cup, sponsored by E.ON, was to have a winner from outside the so-called Big Four. Portsmouth of the Premier League faced Cardiff of the Championship in the Cup Final with a difference. Tell me where you've come from. Spain. Originally Malaga in Spain. Can you do it? Yes, we play to our potential. A little bit of luck. And you've come from? All the way from Australia, Sydney. So, yeah, we're missing for the world. We can make history today. It's been a long time for this club. This is Diara. <laughs> and here's Uchaka. Oh, and, oh, and Cardiff's there. <laughs> is it <laughs> And Cardiff and Portsmouth think they've taken the lead. 
Well, they have, haven't they? I mean, it's a, it's a brilliantly whipped in cross, and Enkelman again punches it away. Hope you caught some of the excitement in that game. That was Portsmouth, 2008. If you look back at the FA Cup, I looked for the most recent game where there were two underdogs. There was Portsmouth, who at that time were eighth in the Premier League, which is the top, top league, and Cardiff City, who are Welsh, as you heard that lovely accent, and they were 12th in the league below that. Portsmouth actually won. They won 1-0. Carter City is now in the Premier League this year. You might have, they might have seen them in the news quite recently uh, because they bought a player. His name is Emiliano Sala. Bought him for £15 million to enhance their team. And he was killed in a light aircraft flying over, coming to play for his city. He died. So what on earth, what on earth does this have to do with Colossians? Glad you asked me. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, which is where we are at the moment. We're in Colossians. We're finishing off chapter 1. And if you turn to the last six verses, verse 24 to 29. Now, we have notes. Have you all got your notes? Ah, there are notes around. If you don't have notes, wave your hand. Somebody will bring you. Just to help you to take notes and help you to have something to take home and to think about and to pray about. Really cool to do that. Okay, so let's read. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 to 29. Now I rejoice, just before, let's uh, Colossians, written by Paul, while he was in prison. He never went to Colossae, but Epaphras brought back news, and there was stuff going on. As we go through this book, you're going to discover what exactly was going on. Last week, we learned who God is, didn't we? The firstborn, immortal, amazing God. Hey, he just made the stars, you know. Someone made the stars. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So today I want to ask us, are you in the game? Or are you on the sidelines? Or are you not even on the field? Are you in the game? Are you still sitting on the sidelines? Or are you not even on the field? So we first have to ask, what is the game? Now, the game we've just seen is soccer. And you either get to that final or you don't get to that final. You either qualify or you don't qualify. And the aim is to win, to score the winning goals. What game are we in? And it's an allegorical. I'm being 
The game we're in is our Christian life on earth. And Paul tells us what that is. Well, one of so many things, but in this, I'm using this portion of Scripture. In this portion of Scripture, verse 20, Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We are, as Christians, the game we're playing is that Christ is in us. How unbelievable is that? God is omnipresent, but when we bow our knee to him, he comes and he lives inside. And that gives me hope, hope for his glory one day. No, I don't have to hope in riches. I don't have to hope in my health. I don't have to hope in just things going well. I hope because Christ is in me, the hope of glory. Looking at the rest of the verse around that, that portion, verse 26 and verse 27, it says, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, that's you and me, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is the mystery? Well, firstly, it is that Christ is in me. But secondly, who's Christ for? Who can get onto this field? It doesn't matter if I don't have the right stadium. It doesn't matter if I'm rich or poor. It doesn't matter who you are, young, old, Intellectual, not so intellectual. He is for you. Christ is for every single person. And Paul is, at that time, the Jewish, well, you know, it's all about us. He's saying, no, it's not just for you, the Jews. It's for everyone, Jew and Gentile. How do I get on the field? If this is a game and I want Christ in me, how do I get on the field? I have to acknowledge and become desperate that I just cannot get on that field in my own strength. The only way to get into this game is to acknowledge I am a sinner, and the only way I can come to Christ and have Christ in me is to accept Him as my Lord and Savior. Only way. There's, there's not many names for God. God is God. There is no other way to come into this field except Christ as your Lord and Savior. How do I play this game? I mean, these guys are so skilled the way they do the stuff with the ball. How do we play our game? Are we skilled? In verse 25, Paul says, he's come that you might fully know the word of God. That's how we play this game. Fully know the word of God. And if you, I think with me, you can look at the word in two ways. You can look at the Word, the Word of God, the Bible. But you can also look, you need to know Jesus, who is the Word. So guys, you know this. I can't think how many times I said, how do I know the Word? What do I do? Tell me, what do I do? Read it. What else? Study it. Meditate on it. Pray. Memorize it. Worship. Listen to teachings and preachings so that I might fully know the Word of God, that I might become a skilled player on this field. Our responsibility. And what is our primary goal? What are we aiming for? Soccer, you want to win. We want to win, but what is, the, what, is the, what is the winning? The glory of God. The glory of God. How incredible that we get to play a game that is for His glory. 
How incredible is that? So that's the game. So we have to ask, well, who are the great players? Didn't you like Carney? When he, <laughs> when he scored his goal and he does this little wiggle? He was so chuffed that he got that goal. And apparently Carney's a pretty good player. I can mention other names because I'm so informed. Cardiff City in 2008 had Aaron Ramsey and Robbie Fowler, and apparently you all know them. They're still quite famous. How about, this gets easier, Ronaldo, Nessie, Pogba, <laughs> and one nice, a young man, incredibly talented Frenchman, Mbappe. Apparently he's the guy to watch, eh? So now you know, drop it into your conversation. You'll be very eloquent. So every soccer player once has their, you know, that player, and they want to be like him. They want to play the game like him. Who is our player in this text that we want to be like? Paul. Yes, Jesus. But the player, the one on the field, is, is Paul. And God gave Paul to the church. Look at verse 25. He says, of which... I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. God gives us for others. Not for our own glory. Not to look cool. Not to be the hero and earn 15 million pounds or whatever they earn per month. But to bless others to help others grow, to give him glory. That's what we're about. Now, Paul says some really intriguing stuff in this passage, which I really had to, what on earth is he saying? Look at verse 24 and verse 29. Paul says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Then drop down to verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. That first bit, 24a, now I rejoice in my sufferings. When I read that, I think of James. He said, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And Habakkuk, very famous piece, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. In other words, life is awful. Awful, awful. There's nothing good that I can see. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. The Bible links over and over again joy and suffering. Now, when you watch those soccer teams, and you can go and Google it, YouTube it. There's lots on YouTube. There's even two hours worth of it. I mean, grief. Anyway, so what do you see? There was, a, I mean, there was such a joy in the fans, wasn't there? Oh, they're excited. And on the field, when you see the guys at the end and they win, there's such a joy. Why did I pick those two teams? Why not just pick the year before was Manchester United and? I don't know. So some Chelsea, well, you know, like the big guys, the big guys. This two, 2008 was two small fish. 
They had nothing to prove on that field. Why? They had made it. They weren't expected to get to that FA Cup final, but they did. So they had nothing to prove. They could just enjoy the game to its absolute utmost. Paul had nothing to prove. He knew who he was in God. He knew what his purpose was. And he can say, like Martin Luther said, what have we nothing to do? No, nothing. But accept of him who God, that's Jesus, who God has made for us our wisdom, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. We have nothing to prove on this field. Our identity is in Christ. He gives every single one of us a purpose. Every single one of you is unique and has an exact purpose that you have to fulfill on this field. So are we taking joy in being on the field? Are we taking joy? Yes, life is painful. Yes, it's really hard at times. But there can be joy in our suffering. Because God is with us. God is in me. He knows exactly. He empathizes me. And I can go on. I don't want to focus on that. But oh, I want my challenge to each one of us today, to myself, is are we taking joy in the field? Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Have you lost the incredible privilege of being on his field, playing his game? Take joy in, I take joy in my suffering for you. And then he says, in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. Now we might read that and say, good grief. Does that mean that Christ did not do enough on the cross? That I have to do something? But that is an incorrect reading of that scripture. What Christ did on the cross was totally and utterly enough. He said, it is finished. So what are you and I and Paul filling up? What are we doing? What is missing and what Christ cannot do, well, he, can, he could do, but he decided to give it to us, is the personal presentation of Christ to people. Few people, and there's one out here, Trevlin, found Jesus through reading her Bible. But that is very much the minority. How did you find Jesus? Through somebody. Through somebody. And that is what we're doing in our suffering. And how can it be in our suffering? You know, I came to the Lord, and I think I've, I've just, I'm sure I've told this, but I just want to say it again because it fits in so well with this. The reason I came to know Jesus, I went to church, I'd done Sunday school, all that stuff, 13 years old. And a girl died in my class. That's suffering for that mother and father. And that mother, in her suffering, came to my school, to our class, and in her grief, shared that she still had hope and she knew where Ruthie was. In her suffering, I was exposed to the suffering of Jesus, bowed my knee and accepted him as Lord and Savior. 
Sometimes our suffering, God uses, and I'm sure all of you could have a testimony on this. In this really horrid space, often once you've gone through it, you can look back and see how it blessed someone, brought them closer to Jesus. That is why we can take joy, and that is our responsibility. It's incredible. Um, Cardiff City was in, in that final, and as I said, a couple of months ago, they paid for this guy, Emiliano Sala, 15 million rand, and he died. He died for his game. If he hadn't been coming across that channel to play for, for Cardiff City, he would not have died. And sometimes you know, our faith calls us to die. Not a nice topic, martyrdom. But I want to tell you about them. There are many martyrs, but I'll tell you about them. I don't know if you saw this in the news. Probably not. I don't think there was much in South African news. But there's a modern-day Martin called John Allen Chow. He died in November last year. He was 26 years old. He was the son of a doctor who had fled from China. And he was murdered by the inhabitants of the North Sentinel Island. That is uh, in the Bay of Bengal between India, India and Thailand. You've got the Bay of Bengal, and in that Bay of Bengal is a little island called North Sentinel Island. The North Sentinelese are unreached people, and they're extremely violent. They've killed every outsider, and there's reason you go back, there is reason why, but they've killed every outsider. And the Indian government have made it a no-go zone, so no one can go to that island. But this young man, John Allen Chow, went. On his death, this was the headline in the Washington Post, he lost his mind. Slain missionary John Allen Chow planned for years to convert remote tribe. And our Zim title, um, our Zim Ravi Zacharias Ministries, wrote this, Rogue or Martyr? John Chow and the complexity of 21st century missions. He knew, John Chan knew, that these guys kill people. He knew it. He knew it was actually not allowed to go by, by the Indian government to go to that island. And yet he planned for years and prepared himself to go because God told him to go. First day, you can go and look it up. It's quite near. He, he, canoes, he canoes back and forth. First day, second day, they're, you know, they're yelling. The woman, they're chanting at him. Um, and then on the third day, he went on the beach and they killed him. His missionary training group described him like this, soft-spoken, very gentle young man who had a very radical call to find unreached groups. You could see that every decision he has made, every step he has taken, was driven by his desire to be among the North Sentinelese people. He planned to live there for years and hoped to learn their language. He spent years planning and training to travel illegally to remote Sentinel Island on a mission to convert the residents to Christianity, including preparation, learning emergency medicine, studying linguistics, and cultural anthropology. A professor at the Center for Policy Research in New Delhi said, he didn't understand the line between faith and doing something that's absolutely nutty. Washington Post posed the question, was he a martyr, a fool, or was he afflicted 
by a Messiah complex. Where do you stand on that story? This is a clash of worldviews. If the gospel is true, and we believe what Jesus said, he said, go and make disciples of all men. Paul was martyred because he was preaching Christianity and it was against the Roman law. Are we lulled into a sense of comfort? Into a sense, well, I can't do that. It's against the law. Yo, I'm tre- I know I'm treading on very, very careful water here. But if you read the debate behind us, it's a clash of worldviews. Sometimes we go against the law because Jesus said, go and make disciples of all men. Where do you sit on this? Where's your worldview? Are you for the kingdom? Truly for the kingdom? Or are you for the kingdom when it suits you? Fortunately, and I pray none of us will be martyred, but you don't know. We are living in interesting times and it is getting more and more interesting as we go along. Do you know there's a law at the moment that um, we're not allowed, uh, some of the Bible will be viewed as hate speech. So if we preach it from the pulpit, we can be arrested and put in jail. As I said yesterday, I like licorice. Every day, please make a roster so I get licorice. But seriously, guys, we're walking in a time where it's going to count. It's going to cost. Where are you? It says many will fall away in the end times. Many. Are we playing the kingdom game? Are we denying self? Paul says, I am afflicted for Jesus. And then, to sort of help us a bit, verse 29, he says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. You know, as Paul, when that Paul child died, he, he said, he wrote in his journal the day before he died, he said, I don't want to die because if I die, who's going to come to these people? That was his heart. If I die, who is going to come and tell these people about Jesus? We toil. Christianity is not a little bed of roses, all la la la, and everything's lovely. It's a toil. It's a struggle. But what does it say? I toil, struggling with all whose energy? With all whose energy? His energy. The Holy Spirit, that he powerfully works within me. Paul didn't do it just for his own glory. He had the Holy Spirit in him, and he could do what he did. You have the Holy Spirit in you. He equips. He empowers. He enables us to do the stuff that we think, oh, my God, I could never do that. If he calls us to do it, you know what? He will equip us. He will. I love that there's a combination. It's not just me, 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 toiling, 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 toiling. It's me toiling 
And it's not just, Holy Spirit, here I am. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to pray. I just want you to speak to me. Come speak to me. I'm not, yeah, you know, I'm just doing my own stuff. Just speak to me and tell me what to do. No. It's a combination of both. Me toiling and the Holy Spirit empowering. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? So what is the game? The game is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Who's playing? Paul, and he gives us a very, very tough challenge in how we're playing this game. And then I ask, how do we play? How do we play? When those guys get to the FA Cup final and the guys like Cardiff City were way down in the league below and now they're in the Premier League, how do they get there? Yeah, they buy expensive players, but there's also a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work, training, giving up on family time, giving up basically everything for soccer. I mean, some of these guys start when they're about 10 or something. And they go through these academies and that. They give up everything for soccer. Everything for soccer. Paul says in the verse 28, Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The incredible thing, as I said it earlier, is this gospel is for everyone. You know, if you think about anything, you can't do everything. I can't play soccer. I'm really useless at ball games. I, tempt, I thought, should I bring a soccer ball? And I thought, no, I just embarrassed myself beyond, beyond description. I can't sing. And so I can go on. There is everything you think about in life. For everyone, you can't do everything. But everyone can be on the field of Jesus Christ. Everyone. There is no restriction. Everyone. No matter who you are. No matter how evil you feel you are. No matter how big you feel your sin is. No matter how good you feel you are. All of us qualify to play on the field of Jesus Christ. All of us qualify to hear the good news. You think of that person in your office who you think will never bow their knee. Jesus died for them too. They are eligible to hear the good news of the gospel. They are eligible to know the love of Christ. And they are eligible to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Who are we to restrict anyone? The gospel is for everyone. This field of play is for absolutely everyone. And Paul says in that verse 28, he says he wants to proclaim Jesus. He wants to preach Jesus. He wants to tell everyone about Jesus. And he says to warn everyone. We do need to caution people. Laney, this thing in your life, it's not good. It's not lining up with God's word. You're not being obedient to Christ. We don't like that, but we need to caution people. When we come into the field, there are rules. There are boundaries. And we cannot disrespect those rules. Imagine if the soccer players all went running off. They have difficulty keeping the fans off. Have you seen how they have all those guys lined up? Because you can't come onto the field. Because if they did, it would be chaos. There are rules. We need to warn each other. 
But then we don't just warn the person. We teach them. You can't have warning, cautioning, with no teaching. And we have to submit ourselves to teaching. Otherwise, how are we going to know how to live? Again, to the word, to the preaching of the word, to worship, all those ways. Are we submitting ourselves to teaching? And teaching is for everyone. And he says, warning, teaching everyone with all wisdom. I need this a lot. There's a timing and a place when to warn someone. Yo, sometimes, Laney. God, how do I know? Holy Spirit. This week I asked him, tell me if I should or shouldn't. And he did. Don't shout your mouth off because you're all upset about something. Or moan at somebody because look at their life. Ask God for the timing and the place. Let's teach, caution, warn, and teach with all wisdom. Why? To present, the scripture says, that we may, we, we, not Paul, not Johan, not only the elders, we, we <laughs> may present everyone mature in Christ. Everyone? Oh, no. I actually don't want to be mature. Maybe I'll get boring. I don't want to be mature. It might affect my lifestyle. Uh-uh. We want to be mature in Christ. Don't you want to be a Pogba or a Kanu and be able to do the little jigs because you, you're running for Christ? Hey? Every man, every woman, mature, complete in Christ. Says Jesus is coming back for his perfect bride. I need a whole lot of perfection. <laughs> Perfectifying, whatever the word is. Fran, what do I say? <laughs> hey? Perfecting. I need perfecting. Thank you. <laughs> so how do you respond to this message? Are you on the field? Are you playing in his boundaries? Are you rejoicing? despite your circumstances, because my gosh, we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. Or are you just on the sidelines? Yeah, you're in the game, but you're not playing at the moment because you're, you're, you know, life's hard, too busy. What's your excuse? Let's muscle up. Let's get fit. Let's play this game with gusto. And then maybe you're here today and you, you know you're not on the field. You're not even on the sidelines. Maybe you're in the stands and you've been watching this for a while and thinking, mm, not too sure about this, accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. But. Or maybe you're not even in the stadium. You're not even interested in this game. Ugh, not for you. And as I say those things, people, think about you, but think about people you're with, your family, your friends, your workmates. Where are they? And what is our role to get them muscled up playing on the field? Because we do have a role, and it's going to be painful. It's going to require letting go of my stuff. 
It's going to require self-sacrifice. Out of my comfort zone. Don't whinge about it. Do it. Do it. We have the privilege of celebrating Jesus. And if I can just say, if you are in that off the field, please come right here. Come when we start, when we come and get the bread and the wine, please juice. It is juice. Please come here. And there'll be someone here who would love to talk to you. Because the reality is, what are we doing here? This is a sacrament that Jesus said, do until I come back. He's coming back. He's coming back for his perfect bride. And what do we do when we do this? We remember that iron can play this game for one reason only. Jesus died and took the wrath that I deserved for my sin and in its place gave me his righteousness. It's such an unfair deal. Pogba, you got nothing on what we got. But we celebrate together what Jesus has done for us. We celebrate we eat the bread, remembering that his body was broken on the cross. We drink the juice, remembering that his blood was shed for me, for you. Personalize it. The only restriction is you can't do that if you do not know, you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The word is very specific about that. And that's why I say come and talk to us. Because you give your life to Jesus, you... You accept him as the Lord of your heart, and you can celebrate with us. It's so cool. It's so easy. It's ridiculously easy, because, but God is so, so gracious to us. So, so gracious. So I think if the band can come up, and we can, as we sing, I think, is that okay, Johan, if we sing the song? We'll start singing the song, but at the same time, come and take a bread, take some juice. Let's worship our Jesus. Let's worship our King and Lord of Lords. Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za.